we are back in the football shed. That was a very gentle intro. Yeah, it was a real like. <laughs> was it your intro again? It'll build again. It'll build. Right, right. Stop. Three, two, good. one. <laughs> hey, we are back in the football shed for the second time in the last thirty seconds. <laughs> Uh, my name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. You're going to edit that, right? No, we'll just keep it down. No. Okay, hi, good day, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> uh, Roger Gibbs is back. Hello. How was your soil conference? Oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Did you learn lots about mud? Uh, amongst other things. Yeah. Did you make some pals? Uh, I saw a few old pals oh, from yeah. the industry. <laughs> were they, uh, were they... saw Nifty Nev. <laughs> Nifty Nev. <laughs> old yeah. now, now, Neville is uh, someone that I worked with for a number of years. He's probably in his mid seventies. Looks like a mad scientist with like long wispy hair, and he's got a big moustache. And he really loves soil. And he'd go, <laughs> when you're like doing some drilling or something, he would take a big handful of the soil and he'd give it a good old sniff because that's part of understanding the soil. And then he'd turn round and he's got this big like soil all caught up in his moustache. So, uh, is yeah. he your hero? Is he your, uh, well, yeah, is he your he's work up there. mentor? Yeah, but um, no, it's good. Yeah, Sydney, well, Sydney's actually all right. Who knows? Well, mm. It's good to have you back, Rog. Um, we are the football shed. We're here every. Every week uh, with three English blokes who live in Melbourne um, and now all have permanent residency so we can stay here forever. Congratulations, Jeff. Look out, Australia. We record each week in Jeff's shed, hence hence the name Football Shed. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Um, If you enjoy it, give us a review, tell your mates, subscribe. Um, If you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Or just find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram and all those places. Can we play a guess the team, the person who gave us a one-star on iTunes supports game? Oh, yes. So, yes, you can give a, a review on iTunes. And we've got a lot of lovely five-star reviews, but someone gave us a one-star review. So we don't know the answer. No, no. So, I'm, so they, I mean, they might listen if we, if we yeah. provoke that much reaction. So I think that they are a Crystal Palace fan. Southampton. I thought you said West Ham. No, no, we've been quite complimentary West Ham in the last few weeks. Maybe Arsenal, because we always stick the boot into oh, Arsenal. You're probably right, it's <laughs> probably <laughs> Arsenal. I think Southampton, just because Mark Hughes is miserable, so being a Southampton Rubs fan off on miserable. Um, but every week we start with a question. This week's question is about Ross Barkley. Uh, Ross Barkley became the first Englishman to score and assist in a Premier League game for Chelsea in a long time. Wow! <laughs> You've done your research today, John. No, the question is <laughs> when. A long time. No, the question is uh, when was the last English person to score an assist in the same game for Chelsea? You say Frank Lampard, spot on. Yeah. Uh, and I'd go 2007. No, I'm going to go more recent than that. I'm going to go 2012. 2013. Oh, Roger. Spot on. Um, yeah, first time an Englishman. Wow. That's a bit sad, isn't it? It's five years. Like, yeah. it's pretty depressing. So, uh, But they really haven't had an Englishman playing in that five-year spell. No. Well, they haven't had any attacking <clears throat> English players at all. Do, do you know, talking about... Um, so, I obviously, you mentioned it. So, I got my permanent residency for Australia today, which mm. made me quite nostalgic this week, which made me quite nostalgic about football. As yeah. most things in life make me nostalgic about football. <laughs> so, the first year that I moved to the land down under where we currently <laughs> reside. Uh, I had a quick look at footballing history. Yeah. So do you know the two events that really struck home for me that kind of make me feel like this has been a long and drawn out <laughs> journey with the Australian immigration system? 
Ronaldo scored 41 goals for Manchester United that year. Wow. That is a long That's time ago. A lot. And Portsmouth won the FA Cup. <laughs> yes. Uh, they won 1-0 against someone Millwall? Clapped. Yeah, someone... Maybe? No, it was someone from the it's Championship. From the championship. championship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, how amazing is that? That was 11 years ago. That, that was what was going on in football when we left the UK. Yeah. Wow. Portsmouth won the FA Cup. Um, Rog, you were closest with the Ross Barkley question. So what would you like to talk about first? Uh, well... I'd like to hear your take on the um, Liverpool Man City game because you watched it. Yeah. I didn't watch it, but I, um, looking at the table this week, I was excited looking at it because we got two points separating the top five. Yeah, which is awesome. And, and I mean, maybe we've got a bit of a, of a contest this year. And it's also the top four that I predicted at the start of the year, so I was feeling quite smug. <laughs> but. I still think it's essentially going to be a two-horse race between Man City and Liverpool. Between Man City and Liverpool, um, I was quite impressed with the way that they both um, Klopp and Guardiola were both really pragmatic in the game, and they end up kind of cancelling each other out. Yeah. But I just thought about. I like, will go on to the game in a minute, but I just think that. Both those teams can seem to be able to win in different ways. Maybe not Man City, but Man City just win. Whereas Liverpool have discovered a way to win ugly. And, you know, Man City at top, we haven't seen De Bruyne yet. Yeah. Like, he is their best player by a long way, and we haven't seen him. So you'd imagine that they've got a fair bit of improvement in them. And I just think, whereas if you look at Chelsea, um, they've been really good so far. But if they lose Hazard, they're a different team. And I just sort of saw in the week, um, you know, there's the Real Madrid has uh, raised, raised yeah. its head again. With you know, and is, is that going to be January or end of the year? He's obviously weighing up to sign a new contract. And I think Arsenal were on a real good roll. Was it ten in a row? Or something? Nine in, in a row. All, they've won all, all, all competitions. Um, competitions. But I just, you know, have they got the depth? I, I just, and so I, as good as the table looks. Um, I still think it's a two-horse race, but yeah, I was interested to get your take on the on the game. I yeah, I watched the whole thing. I watched it on delay, um, so I got up early on Monday morning to watch it and hid from phones and iPads and everything and watched it. When I turned it on, there was um, Van Dyke being interviewed, and I was just like, "Oh shit! Look away and press the buttons and try and get back to the bit." And I thought <laughs> I saw the score in the bottom corner, uh. and I, but I thought I saw it was two 0 to Man City. So I was completely wrong. So I didn't see the right thing at all. Um, That's quite good when that happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I got to like 85 minutes. I was like, when's the goal? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I watched it. In the first 15, 20 minutes, Liverpool went for it and were really good. Um, and had like 60, 70, 80% possession. They were bossing it. But Man City, you could tell, just went, we're going to let them do this. We're not going to commit. We're not going to panic and try and go oh we've got to attack we're just going to let them have the ball after about 20 minutes everything kind of slowed down and Man City got hold of the ball and they just kept the ball they just played keep ball um, and didn't let Liverpool have it back and you're right they cancelled each other out it got really boring after about an hour I was just like there's nothing happening here Is there was no shots which is a bit disappointing isn't it? it's yeah. a bit underwhelming but I think it's also a sign of Pep going Klopp's got one over on me he knows how to beat me so I've got to work out a way to not do this um I heard recently that once when Pep was at Bayern 
and Klopp was at Dortmund because Klopp's always been better at, against yeah. Pep than anyone else Pep went long ball for a game and he just went right we're just going to put two up front and just play six seven at the back and just ping it long ball and see what happens and it didn't work obviously for Man City last year they tried doing the um, just attack and see what happens didn't work so this time he's just gone we're just going to play solid play solid back four and they went effectively went four four two, although it was yeah. four four one one with yeah. Silva playing behind Aguero. Yeah. But and he even managed to get Mendy to defend. Yeah. He doesn't really seem to like defending, and I was kind of surprised that he was able to do it. But then Klopp kind of did the same because Klopp Klopp played um Joe Gomez at right back. Didn't yeah. He? And I, I mean Alexander Arnold's been great this year. But obviously has more of an inclination to attack. So I just, I mean, obviously they don't talk to each other before the game, uh, and you know, who, sorry, who, who don't? Uh, Pep and Klopp. and Jurgen. You know, well, 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 what well, are you thinking? But I just found it interesting. They essentially both went. <laughs> a lot of comment. They, well, because they, they both went the same way. They both did the same thing, and I just found that quite interesting. That I, you know, because if one of them does it, then it obviously has a better chance of working as a tactic. But when they both end up doing the same thing. It, it lends itself to cancelling. It struck me. Out. It struck me as both teams went. We don't want to lose right now. We've started really yeah. well, and in my opinion, Liverpool have started better than Man City because they've had a harder run. Um, so they've recently played Napoli, Chelsea twice, and Man City to come out the other side of that top of the league, doing okay in Europe. No massive injuries. Everyone's playing okay-ish. Like that's huge. And still unbeaten in the league. Yeah, still yeah. unbeaten. But I think they both just went into that game going. We've actually got good defences now. Let's just not lose this game. Crap as a fan to watch. Like watching it was rubbish, but good on them for doing it. No, I'm sick of it. And then I'm <laughs> sick of it. I've listened to you both. Same. I've listened to you both patiently and calmly, <laughs> and I've 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 tried my best not to interrupt. But I'm sick of it. If the the what I'm hearing you talk about, and I'm not even in an offensive way. What I'm what I'm hearing you say, there's there's validity in lots of your points. However. Mares missing that penalty changed the rhetoric around this game. But what happened was the old blueprint boys got out and won one nil. Mares skyrocketed a penalty to the moon, and that meant that the game finished nil nil. And we can talk about it like this: like they cancelled each other out. Actually, from what I saw, it was a solid one nil Man City victory that didn't happen because football is a wonderful game. But from a strategic point of view, Man City did everything they needed to do to nullify Liverpool's attack and beat them when they get an opportunity. But you, yeah. there wasn't. I feel like you're kind of you're trying to sell this like you were right last week <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> but it wasn't. I, I think you were essentially saying it was going to be a Man City stroll. I, I thought, and I thought it would be. I obviously, yeah. you, you know, and I said it last week, and I and I, I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> And and I thought that Man City would look more dominant than they did. However, they never looked out of control. And winning a penalty is something that you do play for. And I don't mean by going down and diving, but I mean getting yourself in a position where you put defenders under pressure, where you win a penalty. Yeah, yeah. That that's part of a strategy, especially part of a strategy where you retain the ball and you and you move forward as a team and you move forward in chunks in units. Your midfield moves up in a structured format so that you're actually playing in positions where interplay and interchange is happening in the penalty area so that, that's a strategic choice to put defenders under that kind of pressure and winning a penalty is a, is a there's a percentage chance that you will do that if you play that type of football and that's the way they set themselves up I'm not saying that their whole game was to win a penalty but yeah. that's one of the 
eventualities of playing the type of football they played, which they did win a penalty, and Mares, who is my flop of the year, put it on the moon. <laughs> but they did change the way they played a bit, though. I agree, I, it yeah, worked, you're right, but it yeah. wasn't just a Man City playing in the, you know, doing the blue, same thing. blueprint no, body yeah. of the way. And, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we might look back at this game and wonder what would happen if Man City got those extra two points, and, and we might look back on it like that. But to be honest with you, I, th- I don't think we're going to be looking back on this game at all. I don't think there's anything in this game that's etched itself into my memory. However, I do think that City were, were the better side. The result doesn't reflect the game. It's nice that we've got three teams on 20 points. It's nice that two points behind them are Arsenal and Spurs. It's nice that Arsenal are above Spurs again. Um, <laughs> lots, there's lots of positive things, but I don't believe the 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 ethos around the way this the way these two teams nullify so each other. So you think it's Man City and then the rest? Though? I think Man City. I think Man City deserved to win this game of football, and I, and I think that I'm viewing it like that. I'm viewing the team that leave that weekend the better off is Man City, and not just because they goal difference, not because they sit top of the league, but because if they played that game five times, they'd win they'd four win. of them. I think also Man City have proven to themselves that they can play in a different way and get a result. If they go away to Real Madrid in the Champions League semi-final and play the same way, they know they can do it now against the big team. They can play Barcelona and do the same thing. And I think that's a big thing for Pep. Because everyone, like you say, Jeff, they just do the same thing robotically and incredibly. Um, and they do. you know what you're going to get. Whereas now they've just added this other dimension to their game where... In now, Pep's got the ability to go, we just need to be tight in this game. We can play 4-4-2, be tight, get a result, and then go home. And, and, and I've not seen Pep do that. I've so, never so seen him do it. Yeah. It almost makes me more worried yeah. about Blueprint Boy and, yeah. the, and the way it's going yeah. to operate because this is an extra dynamic that I that I thought that, you know, there was a the, what Monaco did to Man City a few years back. You, can, you could do it like that yeah. because there was no plan B. It was do plan A better. We all watched yeah. it. Now there's a plan B and a plan C, and that's a very, very frightening thing. That's but you say strange. Liverpool maybe have got the same, but I, um, uh, John Stones played. He hasn't played that much this year and was really good. Yeah, I think one of Man City's weaknesses at the moment is that company seems to be playing a bit, and we've seen him a few times this year look really shaky. Yeah, they played um, Stones and Laporte. And yeah, and I, uh, yeah, and Laporte's been playing. I don't think those two are their future, obviously. But I. I know you're going to talk about centre backs, but I um, did want to agree with Jeff on oh, one no. of his points from last week. Oh, or, or well, points good, of the season. Good thing which we're is, recording this. Uh, Man City being robots and no characters, because I think if there's one element of football where all the training in the world still doesn't count for everything, and it's more about your mental strength and character not being a machine it's taking a penalty (laughs) now if you look at the Man City team they have no penalty takers no Aguero is not even that good so Aguero is not even that good at penalties Mm. he's their number one by a long way Uh, Jesus wanted the penalty from Mares. now Jesus has missed three of his last six (laughs) Mares has now missed five of his last eight so they don't have anyone that can take a penalty, which to me says that they don't really have a big character. The, the one person who's come out and said, I would have definitely scored it, is Edison. The goalie. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, that the, I mean, one of their best penalty takers, in my opinion, is John Stones. John Stones yeah. takes an excellent penalty. I've, scored it, I've seen him score a penenka. Did he take one for England in the World Cup in the shootout? 
He did. Oh, I can't remember. I'm not sure, but I've seen him take yeah. penalties. I've certainly seen him in uh, penalty shootouts for Everton. And I've I've seen uh, this is a, obviously it was a preseason friendly because Everton aren't in that many yeah. penalty shootouts. But I saw him um, uh, against Juventus do a Penenka to win yeah. the thing. Like the, the kids got it. Man City have no players in their squad apart from Aguero that have a better than fifty percent score ratio from penalties, which yeah. is. Awful. Like, you could go through every David one of Silver, their, their players Boyner. and go, David Silva last took a penalty in like 2013. So it makes me feel like they miss players like Yaya Toure, mm. who has that something about them that would go, I've got this. Yeah. And they don't have that. They don't have that scruff of the neck player. They are just cogs in a machine, machine. yeah <laughs> but yeah so I I, I agree with you um, maybe they are cause... moving on from the robots to the centre-backs so the reason I wanted to talk about centre-backs and whilst we're talking about top of the league is this is the five or six centre-back pairings from this weekend Stones and Laporte for Man City uh, Van Dijk and Lovren for Liverpool Rudiger and Louise for Chelsea Mustafi and Holding for Arsenal Alderweireld and Sanchez for Spurs and Bailly and Smalling for Man United there's a lot of shit defenders in there. The only reason I'm bringing this up <laughs> is because what would we would class as the big six, the main United are sitting eighth, um, actually don't have that many good defenders in there. If you look at that, you'd go Van Dyke, brilliant. Well, so, Gomez has been very good as well because Lovren, yeah. you know, Lovren's only come in for this game. Yeah. So I, I think if you put the two teams top of the pile, uh, Man City and Liverpool, and I think those two centre-back pairings are probably... Well, I would say the Spurs is the best. Alderweireld and Sanchez. Well, but Vertonghen's been playing rather than yeah. Sanchez. I'm basing it on this week's game. So okay. right. <laughs> and Sanchez does have hit. He's hit and miss. Yeah, Some he's days he's a world beater. Some days he's definitely and not. And you a... do also love Toby Alderweireld. Yeah, yeah. I think he's amazing. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that the big teams in the league... We watched Man City-Liverpool draw nil-nil because they out-defended each other, basically. They'd have the two best defences in the league, but there's actually not that many good defenders around. And I just think it's a bit of an oxymoron that there's not that many good defenders in the league, but the best two teams just drew nil-nil. There's not that many in the world at the moment. No. Like, there's, you know, we I think we have had a generation of exceptional centre-backs in the one before, and most of them have retired. You know, you think of the great Italian teams. Mm. Um, but, and I mean, I think... Probably the best centre back at the World Cup was Varane yeah. for France. Yeah, John Stones wasn't that far off. Go, yeah, I mean, obviously Uruguay have got, yeah. uh, but that I think that's more about that they play together week in week out at Atletico, yeah. and then go and do the same thing for Uruguay. And he's getting he's thirty two. Thirty two, thirty three. So. It feels like the the best centre backs that. Or at least the most popular, the most talked about centre backs that are in existence right now are the ball playing centre backs. Mm. The ones that play the, they've got a range and distribution. They can they can ping it left and right, but they can play the short pass and defensive midfielder. They can do a shimmy. You know, John Stones epitomises that. We'll, we'll talk about him yeah. because he is the quintessential yeah, version definitely. of that. Now, do you blame YouTube? Um, no, I, <laughs> like no, all the Hollywood passes. Wait, was it? But this, okay, do you want me to give this context? Yeah, go on, you, and then I'll respond. Because, okay, kids used to be brought up by football coaches. Yeah. 
I don't mean like in an orphanage with football <laughs> coaches because <laughs> that's how the 80s happened and yes. no one wants to revisit yeah, it. No. There are court cases going on. Right <laughs> so kids used to be brought up but and their, their footballing education was done through a schooling system, through the academy systems, through football coaches telling them what to do and they would look at attributes, they would look at their pace, look at their size, and you know, look at who they were as a 10-year-old and go, oh my God, perfect centre-back. They'd coach them to be that. Now they're... They weren't going home, and I'm, I might be looking back with tinted glasses, but they weren't going home and watching YouTube clips of the F2 freestylers doing yeah. these amazing, ama- you know, sorry, Roger's looking at me funny. You know the F2 freestylers? No. They're well, on social... We'll the, tell you afterwards. The, you know, the social media, the, the, the things internet. that people refresh. <laughs> Carry uh, on. So on the social media, there's... Anyway, um... <laughs> So, you know, they don't go home and look at that. But these days, when a kid is eight, nine, ten years old and they fall in love with football, they fall in love with, jeez, I was going to say Ronaldinho. That's not even the case anymore. <laughs> they, they, they fall in love with Neymar. Yeah. They, they fall in love with that type of football player. Way, and that has a much bigger saturation point into their life than the football coach who, for the three-hour session in the morning and, the, and yeah. the hour in the afternoon, has to influence their game, which means that what they aspire to is not to be a, a solid Van Dyke centre-back. Yeah, But yeah, did, do any, did any of them ever... Did anyone ever want to be a centre-back, though? Well, no, I, I think people did. Like, I think uh, going way back, like, Bobby Moore was a hero for a lot of English young players coming through and people wanted to emulate him and play like him and Beckenbauer was an incredible centre-back and could play football at the same time well and Bobby Moore you'd say the same a bit he used to stride out with the ball but then John Terry retired this week and John Terry is not known as a ball-playing centre-back he's known as big strong bloke who can head it in more passion and everything but actually he's pretty good at football and he could ping a pass, left foot and right foot, 70, 80 yards. But because when he was playing, that wasn't respected or given the much view time, no one really watched him do it. Everyone just went, oh, no, he, he's just a defender. Whereas actually, he was a very good footballer. And I hate the guy. so Scored but, a lot of goals. Um, but he scored a lot yeah. of goals and was great with both feet. Um, but it wasn't champion. So, you're, you're, you're right. That, that was like the sugar on top, wasn't it? The fact that he could do that. Yeah. So you look at some of the most lauded defenders in Premier League history, so modern Premier League history. Yeah. Vidic, for example. Yeah. Vidic was, had two spade feet, yeah. but he was an amazing defender. Yeah. And and people would aspire, of my generation, to, to be... Maybe be. I'm younger than me. <laughs> Who would aspire to be to be a Vidic because you could see him make those last-ditch tackles, and that was amazing. Yeah. John Gary, Stone. Gary Pallister. Um, John Stones makes a last ditch tackle it's amazing but his highlight reel is about him doing a Cruyff turn in the box yes and and I think that that is changing the the production line of defenders these days and when when football I'm making some sweeping comments here and I'm doing it quickly so that you don't jump on all of my points but when when football is such a young sport I, mean, I say that because there are, we're looking at players who play for Man City and, and Chelsea who are 19, 20 years older in their first team. Yeah. These kids are influenced by the modern world, well, yeah. you know, what's around them. And when they get their passion for football, this is the kind of thing they watch, way more than they have coaching. Yeah. So, so I think that when you listed those those central defensive partnerships, I, I see a lot of kind of old heads and weird footballing amalgamations of, of ball playing. And, yeah, and, well, we, well, we also live in an age where Guardiola makes midfielders centre-backs. So Ma- yeah. Mascherano's gone to centre-back. Jose Mourinho's tried putting Scott McTominay at centre-back and a Herrera at centre-back. There's more and more drag of midfielders back into defence. Um, and 
I, I think defenders should defend. Like it's great that they can play football, and I, I think John Stones is excellent, and I think he's one of the best around. And it showed he, at the World Cup he yeah. could defend as well. It wasn't. Exactly. I mean, that was the big thing for me at the World Cup was like he grew as a player, and we know he can do all the fancy stuff. Yeah. But to me, he showed that he could also defend stuff. And, and I, I want like you know how you were, you've been talking lately about things going full circle. Yeah. With um, you know, four four two being back in vogue and you two know, strikers, strike two big centre backs. I wonder where the centre backs will go the same because <laughs> people will realise actually, you know what? If we don't concede a goal, we've got a better chance of winning. Maybe we should have two good centre backs. Yeah, and in about five to ten years' time, we'll be wishing Sam Allardyce was England manager again. Yeah, <laughs> and okay, so so here might be a good example of this. So where's Morgan play for Leicester? Yeah. Right? Am I right that they bought Johnny Evans? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why they're playing Wes Morgan because to me he's gone. As but a the thing is, Wes Morgan is the, the epitome of that kind of traditional old lump yeah. of a centre back. Yeah. You could say the same for when Ashley Williams was at Swansea. He was that player. You like, you can't convince yourself. I, I look at Sylvan Distan. Yeah. They are that. Yeah. That's it. That, that's that's all they are. And if if there is still, you know, we talk about football going full circle and. We've spoken about Leicester's formation, Leicester playing two strikers, us playing on the counter-attack. They would rather have a lump at the back than Johnny Evans, who's proved that he's actually a pretty good footballer. And they'll start the lump at the back because he's got a job to yeah. do. They'd rather get the best out of someone who's, who has a bespoke job yeah. than they would someone who's a dynamic, free-flowing... Well, I think Johnny Evans is a better defender. I just think Puel's making a mistake by playing yeah. Wes Morgan. And I think the games where he's played, Leicester haven't looked as good. And he's been sent off twice he's in three games. He's been sent off twice. <laughs> <laughs> just... um, moving on from defenders. Um, Jeff, what would you like to talk about next? Well, whilst I'm talking about Wes Morgan... Yeah. Um, who got sent off against Everton. He should have got sent off twice. Yeah. <laughs> like I've got to say, when you watch the game, there was a challenge just before his second yellow that I think was... Uh, and you watched the whole Leicester game. Yeah, yeah. It was worth staying up for. Um, but is it a fair reflection of the game? Yeah, I'd say that the the game went in ebbs and flows. So the first half, Everton were all over it. But they were all over it through possession football. So the it was... But I say that, and, and you're going to look at the stats and go, the first half, uh, Everton were all over it through their possession style, but Leicester had the majority of the ball. Yeah, okay. However, what Everton did with it, Everton's front four finally played what I would consider the best diamond that they have. The best players were on the park. So, so Walcott on one side, Bernard on the other side, uh, Richarlison up front, and Sigerson number 10. Yeah. So it's that diamond, and it played as a diamond. It played like the old Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez, yeah. uh, Berbatov. Yeah. Um, it, it was an excellent front and Bernard four. Bernard was good. By Bernard was excellent. However, he was excellent with the ball at his feet. Which meant that when he had the ball, he'd run at players. And he put the fear of God in players he was running at. Because he's so short, he's so quick. He's, he's just, he's a little rocket. But his, he can't spray a long pass for Toffee. Like, if he tries to play a, uh, a switch ball to the other wing, it just goes out for a fucking goal kick. Like, uh, it's terrible. He was at fault for their goal as well, wasn't he? He, he got caught in possession in the middle of the park. So he did get caught in possession. But what the thing is, it was um, it's a very South American style of play, which is what he what he got caught out by. Mm. So it was so their goal came from a, a corner coming in, an Everton corner coming in, it being defended, yeah. knocked out, and then Everton had possession of the ball, played it back kind of off and on having control of the ball what he tried to do was transition that straight back into an attack as opposed to taking it down 
playing it to a player side and building another phase of play. And by doing so, he gave up the ball. That's a very South American thing yeah. to do. But in the Premier League, you don't get away with that because if you lose possession there, Leicester was so good at countering. Like, it's yeah. what they did to win the league, mm-hmm. they still do. No yeah. matter what manager comes in, the players that are there, you know, the lump at the back knows if you just kick it long enough, far enough, quick <laughs> Vardy. enough, Vardy will get there. Yeah. And he doesn't need that many chances. So the first half of football was, was exciting because you're watching two very different styles of football. So you're not watching a Liverpool Man City Council, it's the opposite. You're watching space where both teams want space. So Everton are playing a very top-heavy possession football, Leicester are playing on the counter-attack. Because of that, it makes for an exciting game. When the second half started... Leicester looked like the better side. They looked like they'd come out of the traps. Red card changed everything. And then Sigerson's goal. It's a pretty special goal. Yeah. Like, it is pretty special. Like, I, we were talking about Sigerson a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe even last week, I think, we were talking about whether you can build a team around him. Yeah. And, um, he, like, when he scores goals like that and plays like that, you can definitely just build a team around him. And he's... He's, one he's of the enjoying best it the again, and he's playing yeah. number ten. And you sort of feel like—I mean, you talked about it last week, and when he was at Swansea, he was one of the better players in the league, and yeah. he looks like he's sort of back at that level yeah. again. Which is good because there was a part of me that felt—take my Everton hat off. There was a part of me that felt sorry for him that, like, maybe it wasn't going to happen for him again. Maybe he had his peak at Swansea. He went to Spurs, it didn't work out, and he actually found his level. His level was at Swansea. But when he when he did the turn on James Madison, like he bloody he got me. Like I was watching the ball. I'm like, oh! And I, <laughs> I looked up left of the telly. I'm like, oh dear! He's, but it's he's the like, shot he's that, that makes me. it as well. It's, oh, it's like it's a ripper. I like jumped it. off my couch at two in the morning. It was absolutely outrageous. And that that should win a game of football. There's been debate this week of whose was the better goal. Was it his or was it Ramsey's? Ramsey's pretty special. I yeah, I would vote Ramsey. Interesting because we've seen a lot of those little deft back heel. But it's the whole thing. But there were two. There were two of those because it was his to finish, and then Bellerine did did a pass like that in the move. And I, my favourite bit was Ramsey's two headers. He had to try and bring like how how rarely do you actually see a guy head it twice? So one header like to bring it under control, and then a headed pass. Do you think and he just did it so well? But okay, so here's and here's a just a general football question. Like that is on the verge of being out of control. Those headers yeah. are on the verge of, of not knowing what you're doing and yeah. just, just heading it towards anyone wearing the same shirt as you. Yeah. Like, how many of those do you condone in, and I say condone, in something that you would consider to be the best goal? Um, because well, I think because of the whole move, the speed of the change from defence to attack, because they win the ball and then they just go bang, 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 bang. It goes inside to um, Ramsey. He heads it twice. Mkhitaryan's ball out wide to whoever the left winger is I can't remember um, is brilliant Aubameyang I think puts the cross was, in yeah. um, and then Ramsey's finishes the whole team goal was brilliant I've watched it two or three times Sigurdsson's great to watch uh, but it's an individual moment of brilliance whereas Arsenal's a whole team just chaos happens. A, a lot of it is personal preference and whenever we're talking about the best goals it always comes down to do you prefer the moment of sheer brilliance from one player is one of the reasons why football is so great because you can have that mm. and then you can have the brilliant team goal. It's why I dislike basketball because essentially in basketball all you have is guys, some guys that are really good but it's not the same team yeah. element. Like you can't have a brilliant team goal. It's all about freeing up one guy. So you remember when Luke Shaw scored that goal for United? <laughs> the, the first game of the season. Yeah, excellent goal, wasn't it? Like his. Yeah. 
A little accidental. There it is, John. <laughs> it wasn't. So, so when I, now Luke Shaw, yeah. when you read the reports of that game, not to think about to week the game week one, but it was isn't it great that he scored? He's doing great. What no, an amazing goal! I but then the other goal live, and I said it was crap. I said it was an accident. However, it was it was did. it was also fantastic. He kind of controls it, and it happens to go over the defender's head, and he's definitely not meant it. And then because he runs around and then shoots and scores. Oh yeah, that wasn't brilliant. No, no. are you are, okay? Well, the, and the, so where's the limit here? Because he was out of control of that. But then if you were to show that to someone who lives on the moon, uh, who doesn't know football, and you go, okay, well, watch this. His his job is to score a goal right here. This is the only way it's humanly possible to do it. He's paid as a professional footballer. He stuck his professional footballer leg out, bounced over a player like like Burkamp would do, and then, then put it in the top corner. So we know no. as football fans... It wasn't that, like Burkamp, no. What I'm saying is in that Arsenal goal, what is? did those two headers get to the point where you're going, okay, do they mean this, like Arsenal used no, to mean No, because the this? first was to win it, and then the second was to pass it. It was, Yeah, it was all in control. I don't yeah. think it was a stumble. Like it. See, I'm not, I'm not passing judgment here, because I, I don't actually have an opinion of which is a better goal. I loved watching Sixers go yeah. live, and I, you know me, I love a flipped back heel mm. death yeah. touch. I think that's, that's fucking yeah. brilliant. But the more I watch the Arsenal goal, there's part of it that makes me feel less pleased than I am yeah, when I, when I, I watch something that. like the Sixer goal. I just I think Arsenal's goal was better. Wait, but talking of Arsenal, um, they won five one against Fulham. Are Arsenal good? I think Arsenal are not as bad as they have been in recent years. <laughs> that's that's a positive. <laughs> from if, if ever you're getting a positive out of Rodgers, that's it. Uh, Fulham are very obliging. Yeah. I, mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I I think Fulham are in a bit of trouble because they can't defend. They just, yeah, they, no, they you, you know, you need to get the bait. They, they've got some nice window dressing, and we talked about them. They brought a style from the championship. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at Wolves, and Wolves uh, Solid have had the win, same lineup yeah. for every game this year, pretty much. Yeah, every um, game this season. It's a, it's a Premier League it's, record. It's, you know, so, the, and, and they've got some, they've had some real continuity from last year, whereas Fulham have perhaps, they've basically brought in almost a new team. But you just. They concede goals. And I think, yeah, as good as Arsenal were, uh, Fulham also were a little bit unlucky in that they had some chances in the game. And I, I, so I think it flatters Arsenal a bit. No, no doubt Arsenal were improving, and I think um, Emery's doing a good job. But to me, they're certainly not um, They're not championship quality yet. I think um, the big thing for me, Fulham fell down in the fact that two or three of the goals, I can't remember them all now, from, <clears throat> were... Arsenal players backing into Fulham defenders and then just turning them and shooting. Lacazette uh, springs yeah. to mind. Yeah. yeah, and that was just too easy. You can't do that. Also, Lacazette scores his first goal after the 29th minute and runs straight over to the side and celebrates with a Bemiang um, and then ends up scoring a second and a Bemiang comes guns on and scores two. Um, they are getting more and more like Dwight York and Andy Cole. Like They've just got this. They get on really well off the ground. They love playing together and they're scoring two goals each a game and if you've got that kind of chemistry happening on a pitch I'm a little concerned they could be really good where's Bemiang from? Gabon Gabon is is that a French speaking nation? Uh, yeah I think so so, yeah. so perhaps that's one of the reasons why those two players get on yeah. so well but perhaps um, but although interesting this is the first game Lacazette played you know how they've 
tried them both together in recent weeks. And yeah. at the start of the year, it was Aubameyang and then Lacazette coming on. But yeah. then this is the first game where they've started with Lacazette and yeah. had Aubameyang on the bench. But they had played um, in Uzbekistan? Uh, true, yeah, in the week. Or somewhere else, somewhere Eastern Europe. Qu- qu- begins with Q and it's yeah. impossible to say. Yes. Quar- quar- I'm, I'm just making enemies and disagreeing with you guys this week just because it's, it's better. Awesome. It's, it's just better to do that. Um, I think Arsenal might be the real deal. That's what I just said. No, you said that you don't think that they're championship no, material. Yeah, that was me. I said immediately afterwards, I think they've got a genuine I'm the chance. only one that's got them in my top four, though. Oh, no, I have as well. I know you have as well. I, yeah. I didn't. And, and So, your prediction says they're not in there. Yeah, but having watched <laughs> but them you think they're the real deal? football, I, I, I genuinely think that they're, the games they... It's, it's basic football stuff. The games they've played most poorly, they've won. The yeah. games they've played well, they've won by five goals. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think that that is, that's how you do it. And we talked about early on in the year when it wasn't looking so good, when they went on this run, you know, we talked about them losing to uh, Chelsea yeah, uh, and to Chelsea Man City, yeah. and they actually played quite well. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I think that they're playing some good football, and I certainly think that they're a chance for top four, but I just don't see them winning the thing this year. I still think that they have too many weaknesses, although I noticed that... They've looked better the last three weeks uh, since Czech. Suddenly injured. Suddenly injured. Uh, But I think they look better since Czech's injured. Um, And I think Emery's experience of doing the Europa League with Seville and then Champions League with PSG, he's fine playing Thursday, Sunday. So they played Thursday and Abemiang started away in Carabag. And then they come back and you play Lecazette. And you've got that squad and he's fine doing that. And you win... Arsene Wenger's Arsenal would never have won five one away after playing away on Thursday night in Carabag. No. It wouldn't have happened. Do you if, did you hear that Emery Unai Emery's name is sixty percent vowels? <laughs> <laughs> is it only sixty percent? It's a lot of vowels. Have you, you, have you seen a picture of him? Have you seen him? Do you think he looks like John Cusack out of Con Air? It does a little yeah, bit. He does. Yeah. I was watching him today, I was like, Oh, it's John Cusack. I tell you, I don't trust him. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Got I just don't. No, the vowels are a thing. Because you know, um, if you last name's Emery, don't call him Unai. It's weird. Um, I just don't trust him. I just feel like he's just a bit shifty. He's just like... Um, sorry, I'm allowed an opinion. I think, I think he's a bit shifty. I think he might... Like, Is it because he, he wears a tie? I think he looks he, a little like a politician. He does look like a politician. He's yeah. got a big square head. Yeah. And he's got a big pointy top forehead section. Yeah. And I, I feel like he... <laughs> Is a Bond villain from Goldeneye on the yeah, N64. Yeah, yeah, I, can, I can picture that, and because of that, I'm used to shooting him. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think that they've got an embarrassment of attacking riches. It's a bit like same old Arsenal, really. But to you know, what did we talk about their centre back pairing? Rob Holding and Mustafi and Mustafi. Like they're just, I don't think they're going to be good enough defensively to win the Premier League. Um, Jeffrey, you wanted to talk about um, some mid-table teams. Who did you want to talk about? Oh, I won't, I won't bang on about it, but. I think that we've. Uh... I won't bang on about it, but <laughs> I won't bang on about it, but it is me banging on. Um, we have in the last four weeks, I think, we've ridden the West Ham roller coaster. Yeah. We when they were four or five games without a win, we were talking about them being the worst team ever, and them being the next Crystal Palace, and then they they beat Everton, and then they drew against Chelsea, and we've discussed it on every single pod. And I think the thing that epitomises supporting a mid-table side 
is beating Manchester United and then losing against Brighton. It's <laughs> so true. But that is also typical West Ham. Well, like the, being a bit flaky yeah. and, you know, like we'll we'll beat the good team. And then nah, we'll... I, I, well, I mean, yes, I agree. But I don't think it's just West Ham. I think that feeling you get, you know, you enjoy the, the beating uh, Manchester United. You love it. It's the best thing ever. But you're still fearful about Brighton the next week. You still feel like we can beat the best, but... Fuck. And then when it happens, you watch it and you just pull your hair out. You're like, this is my life. This is what I've chosen at a young age. I'm stuck with it. And holy shitting fuck, cunt. I have to just deal with this forever. It's got to be so frustrating because they played so well against Man United. And then, yeah, just... But it's just what happens. And it's not just West Ham. It it happens if you're a Leicester fan. It happens if you're a Watford fan. It happens if you're a Burnley fan. It happens if you're a Southampton fan. It happens if you're an Everton fan. You just get used to the fact that you can pull a result out of the bag, which makes you... It gives you, you know, it gives you hope. Mm. Makes you feel like we can do this. Look at that game. Look at the pressure we put on. <laughs> look at how we cross the ball. Look at look at the fluid movement. Oh my god! What? what it's easy. We just do this every week, and then you try it next week and you lose against Brighton. <laughs> You're like, well, fucking shit, cunt. This is what football is for me. Do you think? Um, I don't want to go back to the game and dwell on it, but when you look at those teams, I think that probably Wolves, Everton, and Leicester are going to be the best of the rest. Yeah. At this point, I don't necessarily. I mean, I know Bournemouth are up there at the moment, but we know Eddie Howe, and I, he won't change. So something <laughs> he'll go on a a bad run at some point. And I, I think those three teams probably have the most potential. And then below that, it is so even. And I think you know there are a number of teams that can go and get a result. Like you look at Fulham. Fulham, you could imagine, could go and beat one of the big teams and then lose to Brighton. But we should move off the Premier League. I'm gonna whiz past one other result in the Premier League because I just don't want to talk about Man United because the whole world's talking about Man United but they won 3-2 they were lucky but one thing I wanted to mention Jeff was that Muto scored and looked really good and you hate Muto did he look yeah. good? yeah he did look good well I watched a little bit of it and I thought he looked a bit lucky no, it, was, <laughs> it was quite a good goal it was a good goal he should have yeah. scored a header as well yeah. it should have been 3-0 up I'm yeah. a little bit more with Jeff though I'm unconvinced he looks like a um, like stick of corn blowing in the breeze <laughs> So I said he looks like a mound of dirt. He said he looks like a stick of corn. So together we've got a crop. Yeah. And it can grow. Um, but can, before we completely move off that game, isn't it interesting that Newcastle lost by one goal again? Oh yeah, they always lose by one goal. They, are, they always lose. They are the draw. Lose by one goal. There's only one game this year that they've lost by mm. more than one goal. Yeah, if you look at the league, they're obviously 19th and only on two points, but their goal difference is only minus seven, whereas everyone else around them is in double figures. So... Um, Rod, you wanted to talk about the championship. What did you want to talk about in the championship? Well, I didn't really want to. It wasn't so much a championship. It was that I watched a championship game because nice. uh, on the Friday night, yeah. Uh, yeah, Friday night, yeah, yeah, it was early, an earlyish game. No, it must have been Saturday. Saturday morning, our time. No, no. I watched it. Must have watched it Saturday night. It must have been. A, <laughs> this is, this is a good start. It must have been a, like the afternoon yes. kickoff on the Saturday, yep. and because there wasn't an early Premier League game, there was an early Championship. Game. Oh, this is riveting, and it was a big one because it was Leeds and Brentford <laughs> who were up near the top, yep. and I was just excited to watch uh, yeah. the Elsa team play. And you, it, you can watching Leeds, you can see that Klopp and Guardiola. 
and all these players that cite Bielsa yeah. as a major influence, where they got it from? Because yeah. he don't, you know, like the sort of almost kamikaze attack on the ball, <laughs> like Leeds do that a bit, but it's yeah. kind of funny because the players aren't at quite the same quality as some of these other teams. <laughs> so there is an element of them like trying really hard to do it, just and, running around, and then it, uh, yeah, and it doesn't always work, <laughs> and it just looks like pinball. But the reason I wanted to talk about it was I got really outraged in this game, yeah, because it was. And I don't really like Leeds. In fact, I go so far as to say I quite dislike Leeds, generally. Um, old dirty Leeds. But, uh, <laughs> but they, I ended up supporting Leeds at the end of this game. Oh, the yeah. ref had an absolute shocker. It was clearly one of these referees who's like, it's a big game, I need to... I'm on TV. Oh, I'm on TV, I've got to make my mark. Yeah. And he was shit. And he just made bad decisions. He made bad, bold decisions. Yeah. Oh, but Confident bad decisions. Yeah. But he gave a penalty anyway, yeah. which uh, it was shocking to put Brentford in in the lead. Yeah. It is, I was screaming out for VAR. Like we all know what I think of VAR, <laughs> but it made me so angry because this guy. So it's Ollie Watkins, who's a you know young player on the up. Yeah. Like he's, um, I think he's on loan from. Yeah, he's from someone. Uh, yeah, he might even be Arsenal. I think. Yeah. Um, so and he looks good. You know, he's quick, direct. He, you know, he looks like he's going to be a good player. But he dived. Yeah. So the goalkeeper was coming out. He saw that he was going to get to the ball first, but there was no way he was going to get to the ball and be able to score. They so he dived, timed it really well, just as the keeper was coming out. So he sort of jumped into the keeper. Yeah. Um, and anyway, you, but to me, it never looked. It's one of those ones you're like, that's not a penalty. Yeah. Anyway, the ref runs over and gives a penalty, and then they show it in slow motion, and the you know you, you just like, no. a, a, up in arms. And I then saw, after sort of shouting at the TV and watching it again and being feeling really angry about it. Waking your two kids uh, up. Waking my two kids. <laughs> the, the big issues. Uh, Sean Dyche came out on the Sunday and was equally outraged about um, De, De, De Porte or for Huddersfield yeah. um, doing a similar thing and talking about how he believes that players should face stronger sanctions um you know be retrospectively sanctioned or you know you should be immediately sent off if it's a dive um and i completely agree because yeah. I, I know we've we've talked about this a lot yeah. and you know we talked about becoming part of the game but i think the only way to get rid of it is to have, to, bands. To have bands and yeah. strong sanctions and to me we've got the tools there to do it what is stopping us from doing it? I don't. That's what I don't get. I think well, VAR will be in the Premier League next year. That's the it kind could of, be after Christmas. Yeah, they, they they may even bring it forward. I think they won't um, halfway through a season because that affects. Like if I've played mm. games against certain teams at certain places, it, 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 you can't it affect the competition halfway through. But then next season, I think it will be in a hundred percent, and okay. it will, I think it's going to be good. Okay, but do, Roger, do, do you I'm, think they'll put stronger bands in place to go with it though? No. So I'm a VAR fan, you know that. Yeah. I think it's the best thing that will happen to football because, it, and before we stop, once we realise that it's reality and it's normal and get rid of the initial reaction, I think it's a, it's a real positive thing that we're going to get very used to. Okay, so let me put something to you. Every time the ball goes out of play, every player puts their hand up and goes, my ball. Yeah. Every player. We all... Ball, I do it. Yeah. I do it at five side. Yeah. Um, the ball goes out for a corner. Everyone puts their hand up and goes, my ball. Now, if Madison curls it into Slabed and he scores a goal from that corner 
and it wasn't Leicester's corner, but every player put their hand up and said, my ball, <clears throat> should they have the same sanction as a, as a, as a dive and a penalty? No. But it's, it's cheating. No, but it's claiming something which is very different to actively simulating the act of try, trying to win a This is It's thin ice because claiming something is what they're doing when they dive for a foul. No, they're diving and then they're claiming a penalty. There's two, there's two distinct actions there. It, it, for me, it raises a really interesting yeah. um, dichotomy because you, you can have players play to play the dichotomy. ball. Dichotomy? <laughs> That's a big word. Because you can have players play the ball off someone else. So you try to get a corner. You try and play, yeah. you're, you're running as... We'll keep using Leicester because it's so obvious what they do. Yeah. Jamie Vardy will run up. He'll have the ball in the corner flag and he'll try and kick it off a player to get... So he's performing an action to win something. If he performs the action and he doesn't win something but still claims it, there's no difference between that and a dive. And if Slabed scores off that corner, it's the same penalty for the opposing team for the same level of intentional cheating. No, but I disagree again. Because particularly if it's a dive to win a penalty, then it's one action, you're having a penalty. If you win a corner, you've then got to take the corner and someone has to score a goal. Whereas if you've got a penalty, that's a direct chance. So to Kieran score a goal. Trippier to Slabed, that's a goal. That's a penalty. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not feeling your argument, uh, Jeff. I just. I just think that there is. And don't get me wrong. As I say, I am a fan of VAR, yeah. and, I, and I, I can't wait for VAR to be in the Premier League because I think it, it will change things for yeah. the better. But I do think that when it comes to the dishonesty of players, where we've drawn the line on diving, mm. it raises questions of where that next conversation should be. But then I think what the whole point of VAR is, it eradicates some of that. I think over time, players will stop going my ball because they know. Oh, the right decision. So VAR won't won't call whose corner it is. No, it's not. So for example, in the Man United Newcastle game, Newcastle have a free kick, and they John Joe Shelby takes it, and it comes off Ashley Young's arm in the penalty area. So one, it's a handball, and it's a penalty to Newcastle. Two, it goes out for a corner. The ref gives a goal kick. What is that? So the and it's like so obvious the ball comes off his arm and goes in a do- opposite direction and he just gives it a goal kick as it goes out now obviously all the Newcastle players go my ball my ball what's that what's that <coughs> and ref goes well no it's a goal kick that's what I saw it's a goal kick my assistant hasn't said anything VAR comes in they just go no it's penalty done no, and, I, and so there will be less of that. My, it will, it will have that knock-on effect. I'm not. I'm, and I'd like to I'll make. A, I'm not debating VAR. I think. It, I think it's a great thing. But I don't think that its powers will stretch to the 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 cheating that goes on in football and, yeah. and claiming my ball, which we all do, is yeah. cheating. Yeah. And if I win a throw in, or if I win a kick in in five aside because yeah. I've claimed my ball, great, chuffed. That's cheating. That's but diving. I, I, but I, well, no, I'd argue it's gamesmanship rather than cheating. And to, to me, to me, I don't. Uh, all these things are, are different shades, right? And I, <laughs> it's very hard. I agree, it's very hard to draw a line and say this is cheating, this isn't. But at the same time, there is something about the dive and players feigning injury that doesn't sit well I don't think it's a good look for. and I know a lot of people like particularly in Australia who um, their main thing that keeps them away from football and in really embracing the game is that part of it now that's not players claiming throw-ins like yes you know it might be a bit cheeky but I think we can all accept yeah. that but when you see someone you know grab their face 
when there, there hasn't been any anything near their face or they yeah. deliberately dive, that just just doesn't no, sit well look, with look, you. I don't I don't disagree with you. Let's move on from diving because we could okay, be here for hours yeah. and hours and hours. Um, talking of diving, international football's coming up when there's loads of diving. <laughs> Um, England play Croatia and Spain, and Republic of Ireland play Wales in the Nations League. The Nations League. <laughs> Isn't um, uh, England squad exciting? I'm really excited by the England squad. So, yeah. Ross Barkley's in it. Uh. Um, no, I think it's good. He had his best best game for a long time. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. Jaden Sancho's in it, which is very exciting from Borussia Dortmund. Mason Mount, from who's on loan from Chelsea at Derby. Uh, James Madison and Lewis Dunk. I think it's a really exciting squad. Yeah. I think it's the average age is 24, apparently. Like, Gareth Southgate's going to win the World Cup for us. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a really exciting young English squad. Did you see Alexander-Arnold played chess against the World Chess Champion this week? No. How'd he go? Lost. Got smashed What's early. <laughs> uh, but it says he's, he's mad, passionate, addicted to playing chess. That's awesome. I, did, I respect the guy more. Did you also see that he was uh, shortlisted for the like young uh, Ballon d'Or? The Golden Boy. Uh, yeah, nice. uh, Golden Boy, it's World Cup, isn't it? But oh. It's something similar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, it, I, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about with English football. And I quite liked, um, you talked about Madison and um, last week we talked about him recently being quite cocky yeah. um, or confident. And he came out in the week and when he was called up and said he basically doesn't want to go back to the under-21s. He's like, I've got my opportunity, I've got to do it now. Yeah, and yeah. I really appreciated that frankness. And that's what you want in the younger players, saying that, you know, we're good enough. And he said he feels like he was good enough to come in the Premier League. And yeah. now he's showing it. And, you know, and he thinks he can now do it at international level. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that I want to play well enough for my country that the manager doesn't think I should go back to the under twenty ones. Like I think that's, that's awesome. if our young players are playing, even if it's not in England, but they think that that they can come in. I think that's only going to be good for. for so we play Croatia at five forty-five a.m. on Saturday morning with nobody in the in the stadium. It's going to be an empty stadium because Croatia got banned for being racist. Um, <laughs> I think it was a swastika on the pitch. They, put, yeah, they, yeah, they, they mowed pretty... swastika into the pitch. Yeah. They mowed. That was yeah, the yeah. groundsman. Yeah. yeah. And then everyone looked at it and thought that was acceptable. To... Well, no, they got banned from having fans. No, but I mean, it, so it was there for the game. Yes. That's what I mean. So the groundsman did it in the daytime yeah. and no one looked at it from... <laughs> when, uh, yeah, it does seem a bit odd. Adolf, can you get rid of that? Maybe. So, so it lasted maybe six hours yeah. of everyone looking at it thinking, oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Look what he's done. Look what old Jimmy's done. Or your mate with a fucking mud beard. <laughs> Look does, what mud beard's does, done. Does it penalise England though as well? Because I mean, I think it's playing in an empty stadium. It's going to be hard. Really weird. Yeah. You know, you're still allowed to have the corporates in in an empty stadium. Yes. You know that, so you can still have the because the they make a lot people of people the box. <laughs> well, they just stand there eating your prawn sandwich. Yeah. Um, no, Southgate is told you don't get prawn sandwiches in Australia. No, no. I, I was talking to someone about a prawn sandwich, and you should have seen the look on their face. Like, but you what? don't really get sandwiches in Australia like you do in England. Like, you know, no, you that's, the... that's just not true. No, but you know, <laughs> if, you like, if you go to the supermarket in the UK, you have a fine selection of ready-made sandwiches. In Australia, that doesn't exist. No, it's coming in though. Sandwiches are the next boom. But but they don't put prawns in them. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, do we, are we going to beat Croatia? No. No. Uh, no, I'm not confident. Oh, that's good. But I hope that we give some of those young kids a whirl. And, yeah. Like, I'm I'm excited to see him play. 
Yeah, that's going to be good. Um, I reckon we should go on side stories because we're running short on time. Has anyone got any side stories they'd like to bring up? Uh, I've got one brief one. Yeah, go on. Uh, we talked about good goals earlier. Uh, there were two in the week. Um, the Ruben Kazan player. The youth player. Scoring the backflip penalty. Yeah. That's seen amazing. That? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really, like the, really enjoyed the that. The cheekiest penalty I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Mares can't score one stand-up. <laughs> this bloke can do a backflip. Uh, and there was another guy that scored a 40-yard, I think it was in lower league, it might be in League One, uh, scored a 40-yard, oh no, it was in Ireland, 40-yard uh, screamer. <laughs> Um, like completely, you know, completely opposite goals. Yeah. But he was like a centre back or the left back or something at, on the run near the end of the game. Absolutely leathers it from forty yards and just flies in the top corner. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, two of the best, two of the you know, shout for goal of the season already. Those two. I love it when sh- um, shit leagues score amazing goals. It's one of the best things. Yeah. Ever. You know, there's no plan for this. And it's just gone flying in the top. Might court. only happen one in like every 750 yeah. times, but it's yeah. Like what's his name? McGee scored for Newcastle. They got um, Puskas Awards nominated yeah. in the in the A League. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's exactly like that. He just flings a foot. In. You're like, yeah. on the big screen, boy. Um, has anyone been keeping up with the FA Youth Cup scores? No. No. Did anyone watch the Nuneaton Borough v Hales oh, over the town game? Eight, seven or something, wasn't it? So Nuneaton Borough was seven two up with twenty eight minutes left. Lost nine eight. Whoa! <laughs> Sorry, say that again. Seven two up. So Nuneaton Borough playing at home. They're seven two up. There's twenty eight minutes left to play. They lost nine eight. Oh my god! So the other team got back to seven uh, six, and then they scored one to eight six with five minutes left. So you think, oh, it's all right, game over. Um, and then they lost 9-8. Wow. wow. 17 goal thriller. That's outrageous. Yeah. So that was awesome. That was my side story. Um, yeah, the last thing I want to say before we uh, we move on to the um, the end feature is I've got to do a shout out for Bradley Wright Phillips in the MLS. Oh, yeah. So Bradley Wright Phillips had a pretty rugged, can I say, is that a kind word, career in the UK? Average. Average. So who did he, he play for? Average is kind. Probably. He played Southampton, uh, Plymouth, um, Nottingham Forest. Like, Did he play just, Coventry? Quite possibly. He um, for Man- he he's probably Man- most yeah. famous for being Ian Wright's son. son. And Sean Wright yeah. Phillips' brother. So, uh, I mean, I think that says all you need so, to know about his career. Last chance for Loon goes to the States, plays for New York Red Bulls. And he was a... Um, just a normal import player. So you, in in the United States, you don't get big wages as a as a regular player. You you have to be there what they call a designated player to get yeah, a the Dezo to get um <laughs> to get to get any solid money. So it was last chance saloon for him. He's just come off the back of his third season scoring over twenty goals. The season isn't finished yet, and he's the first player in U.S. history to do that. He is now one of the highest paid players in the MLS. Um, supposedly the influence that Thierry Henry had on him at Red Bulls was, was absolutely yeah. outrageous and this this kid's a superstar That's amazing. and I think it's amazing that he scores 20 goals a season and they only play 28 games 32 games 32 I think yeah, yeah. so there's only 10 teams in but the how league. old is he now he's like 30. 32 yeah. but then he's, 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 here's the thing Like, if imagine if we had Gareth Southgate 10 years ago 
Well, he wouldn't have been off his third season. But it yeah. makes you wonder how many players there are like the Sanchos. I know that yeah. it's, it's a unique case yeah. because he's so young. But you'd think that Bradley Wright Phillips, in that kind of form, in a league that's incredibly competitive, would get some kind of sniff, even if it's a Leon Osmond sniff, which is a game to go, there you go, buddy, you're, you're good. If, if he was 21 and yeah. had done it for the last three years, yes, he would. And I do think English players will start looking at the States as an option. And I think with... Man City having the New York City link there, I think it will happen more and more. But if you're 30, you're not going to get a chance because if you're 30 and doing it in the MLS, you that's League One Championship level in the UK. I just, think, I just, I just love that he's done it. Oh, I love that he's, yeah. he's a living legend, and there. he's a superstar. Yeah, you know, and you're a, you're a superstar where there you're getting, you know, um, what hundred thousand people come to the big games. Yeah, so incredible. it's like, yeah, put on him. Um, we ready for end feature, Jeffo? We've got a new song. <clears throat> Yeah, you ready? Yeah. That's the same. No, I did it a bit softer. This week. <laughs> softer well, the, this intro. the intro is definitely softer. Yeah. yeah. No, what intro? That's been cut out. We've got <laughs> producer Bill. <laughs> producer Bill's going to cut that out. Now, this is the special one with two intros. Um, so last week in end feature, um, I won betting on Chelsea and Arsenal to win at minus one. Rog won at Hazard to score and Chelsea win and over two and a half goals in Arsenal-Fulham. And Jeff lost, having bet on Chelsea to win and Man City to win. Ah, oh, Mares is such a cocksniffer, isn't he? <laughs> so that put us, <laughs> as the standings go, Rog is on 250 bucks. I'm on 103, and Jeff is on 17. No, but it's a team sport, isn't it, John? It's a team sport. Overall, so as a team... We're $100 up We're $100 up for a year as a team. Yeah, as a team. Go Team Shed. Um, so this week, we're only betting on Group A and Group B UEFA Nation League's games. The Nation League. <laughs> the Nation's League. Um, what's everyone bet on? I'll go first. Go on. Are you ready? Yeah. Because it can't get much worse. I think Croatia are going to beat England. Yep. I think Germany are going to beat the Netherlands. That's paying $5.52. Solid. Okay, solid. Yes. Yeah, but we say solid every week yes, and I sure. lose every week. Yeah. Well, we just like to humour you. This is, no, this is good as it good. gets. Yeah, I looked at Germany. I didn't bet on them. But. No, because you're a winner. Winner, Rog. <laughs> What's your bet, Rog? Uh, I bet on uh, Russia to beat Sweden yeah. and over one and a half goals. Yeah. Uh, and Robert Lewandowski to score for Poland against Portugal. Yeah. So it's its 100th game for Poland. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, he scored. It's at home. Uh, home. He scored in his hundredth game for Bayern Munich. He's the man for Poland. I've just got a feeling he'll score a goal. And what's uh, that pen? Uh, six dollars sixty-six. But what about the those Russian players who are who are being charged for assault? Well, they weren't in the team. Like they they didn't play at the World Cup or anything. That was going back to the Euros. So I don't think it will affect them too much. Hmm. Um, you say it's paying six sixty-six. Yeah. Sounds dodgy. Um. I've bet on, I've taken a bit of uh, inspiration from Jeff, who's the worst at this. It's probably not a smart <laughs> idea. Croatia to lead at half-time and England to win, Ooh. paying $34. That's what? my bet for the week. Wow. Um, because big betting show. on Nations League's really hard, I thought I'd go for a big one and see what happens. I'd love it if you win, because Team Sheds needs, needs <laughs> the money. We're doing great. Um, Croatia to be... Leading, just leading. no, Rod. Just listen to it back at home. Half well, no, I'm just thinking it's exactly the opposite of what happened in the um, World Cup. Yes, exactly the opposite of what happened. Yeah, so I kind of like it. There's a bit of poetry yes. to it. Yeah. Um, has anyone got anything to add before we go? 
No, it's great to have you back, Rog. Um, Thanks. Yeah, Although I, I did listen last week, so I, you can't get away with the fact that you both put the boot in. And I'm pretty sure when I wasn't here, you said it was better without me. We never said anything of such. But thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we will be back in the shed next week. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on social media, search Football Shed. Um, and leave us a review on iTunes. Maybe not a one star, but you can if you want. Tell your mates, subscribe. And we will be back next week when Jeff plays us an awesome song out. Now, can we just please mention Ross Barkley's thighs? Sure. They're just like they're like a horse's body. <laughs> okay. It's like he's walking on two upright horses. <laughs> Good. They're Good. huge. Have you seen them? No. Oh, yeah, I've seen his thighs. Next but I time, never noticed next them. time, imagine two bucking broncos. <laughs> And Ross Barkley's little bum, like attached to their heads. Are we on at the Roberto top. Carlos levels here, or what's? Uh... No, yeah, Roberto Carlos is always the big. No, guys. no, but but they're. I mean, for an Englishman, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got he's thigh high. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye.